Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're back, baby. It's the third season premiere of this show. And I told you guys, when I went away after the Week 17 preview, which was our last show from 2020, I told you guys that I'm not going on a vacation. I am going to be taking this time to donating whatever resources I possibly can given to me by you guys, MD Nation, by supporting this show, by leaving reviews, by subscribing, by watching, by listening. And I was going to take all of those resources and put it into an even better production, more informative, more entertaining. And we have done just that. We are streaming to more places than we ever have before. We're at Belly Up Fantasy. We're at Belly Up MDFF Show. And that's just on Twitter and on Facebook. We're also on YouTube now. And, of course, we're on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSR. And make sure you download the app on your Android or iOS stores available to you. Of course, like always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. And the other thing I've done is added some new faces to this show. And before I introduce our 
next, who's going to be a co-host. And I don't know if he's going to be permanent, but for now, he's going to be around. Possibly. We'll see how everything goes. But he's get familiar with his face because he's going to be next to me on a lot of different places, not just here, but all, on all of our shows that we do. And one of the things I get asked when I was starting the show was, where did you come up with the MDs fantasy football? Where did the name come from? And for a while, I just said, you know, long story short, we'll just go with, you know, it's backwards of my initials. But that's not where the show came from. It came from the idea of my brother and I, who's also a fantasy football analyst, using our initials. It was going to be the Mater and Dowhauer fantasy football show, the MDs fantasy football show. Now, long story short, I wasn't able to happen at the time, but it is happening today, which is why I'm so happy and proud to say, Chris Dowhauer, welcome to your home. Welcome to the show how are you doing today i'm excited to join md nation i'm super excited for the season kick off of a new show and and i can't wait to see what's up coming for this fantasy year um and as you said you got a lot of new production coming up so stay tuned guys yeah we're gonna have a lot of things we're gonna be promoting out and the guy responsible for doing that also joins our show. We've got ourselves a nice intern who has been working tirelessly behind the scenes at every one of my demands and has not complained once so far. At least not yet. I haven't driven away just yet. But Mr. <laughs> ben Aronson, you, sir, have been great for us. Now, we're going to bring you in throughout the stream. You'll see his face pop in here and there. But Ben, introduce yourself to MD Nation. All right, MD Nation, I'm Ben. I'm the new intern for the show, as he said. I haven't complained to his face was what he meant to say. <laughs> but, um, no, we're having a great time so far. We've been looking forward to the show for a while now. I'm going to try and keep the peace between these two. Um, we'll see how it goes, and uh, I'm excited to get after it. Yeah, we're going to see Ben throughout the show. Ben, you go ahead and you go do uh, some intern things there and back behind the scenes. We'll see you later. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about all of the great moves that have been happening. So it's been a great offseason. And it's going to be the fantasy impact of the NFL free agency, or should I say more accurately, the NFL offseason as a whole. Because we're going to kick off the show talking about a lot of the transactions that happened before the free agency so far has kicked off. And of course, a lot that has happened since. Before we get into it, though, I want you guys to know that today's show is going to be brought to you by a couple of sponsors, our big one being Manscaped. The NFL draft season is upon us, and it's possible. It's possible that you might have Trevor Lawrence's haircut in your pants, which is a big problem for the ladies. That's why our partners at Manscaped, the leading below-the-waist grooming, have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving your balls the same way you like to gamble on football. For all of my draft geeks out there, we have an exclusive 20% off promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That'll get you 20% off and it'll get you free shipping. You can get the performance package that comes with a new and improved lawnmower 3.0 weed whacker, nose hair, trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining and some other liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. Again, just get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Chris, what have been your overall thoughts? We'll get, of course, some more specific details, but what have been your overall thoughts so far through this offseason? A mixture of excitement and a mixture of disappointment, to be honest. Um, saw a lot of different quarterbacks kind of move around, start the Matthew Stafford move, and then kind of culminating with a Ryan Fitzpatrick signing in Washington. Uh, so I think you kind of have a, an interesting offseason still to go. Still kind of want to see where what happens with Deshaun Watson. Um, so I think this is pretty much the year of the quarterback in the offseason so far. 
and seeing how they kind of move. Seems like a lot of teams did upgrade. Seems like a lot of teams were trying to upgrade, didn't quite do so. So that's the that's my theme so far. Yeah, how does it agree? That that's that's free agency in general, where you have a lot of excitement and you have a lot of head scratchers and a lot of wonderings. But this season in particular, I don't know if we've seen this many, to your point, the, the offseason of the quarterbacks. I don't think we've seen this many high-profile names, especially at the quarterback position, move. And a lot of them happened before free agency ever kicked off. And that's where we're going to lead into the show. Now, you mentioned Matthew Stafford. We'll start there. Now, Stafford, last year, he finished as quarterback 14. And that was really in a span of, what, 8 to 10 games of not having Matt Patricia anymore, having to deal with getting Bevel to be the head coach, opening up the offense. Matthew Stafford, to me, going to the Rams... Going there with Sean McVay, a competent offensive mind in an offense that made Jared Goff at least a streamer at times. And Matthew Stafford, make no mistake about it, is a complete upgrade over Jared Goff. There's no question about that. I would like to see them get a perimeter down the field threat wide receiver to add to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup to make me feel really good about the situation. But Matthew Stafford is somebody who should be hovering around that top 12 territory and what's great about him is that I expect his ADP to be somebody who's either getting drafted in the back end of drafts or frankly not even at all that's where it would line up for and that is the steal and that's going to go back to this year more so than any other year and you, you hear this at nauseum from other fantasy football experts and you're going to continue to hear it and, and, and it's for a decent reason draft quarterback late Matthew Stafford is a prime example as to why that is a winning strategy to be able to go with. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think you made an excellent point. Matthew Stafford, to me, is one of the top quarterbacks in the league, uh, as far as, as strong as far uh, sorry, as well as physically with his physical traits. Um, I think he has one of those um, almost what he had about two or three years ago, um, where we had kind of so Matthew Stafford finally kind of put it all together and. Since then, as you kind of pointed out, Matt Patricia's slowly but surely destroyed that offense. Um, I think that you have an opportunity that he actually has some weapons. You, know, you talked about last year. I mean, he had missed out Kenny Galladay for most of the season. Uh, Marvin Jones was basically MIA for the first six weeks of the season. So I think that one of the things we saw as Matthew Stafford got healthy, as Detroit opened up their offense, he still has it. And as you pointed out in the Rams offense, Jared Goff's been serviceable for the last few years, had a uh, probably his best fantasy year about two years ago. And I think right now you ha- you see Matthew Stafford definitely stiffening in that top 10 and could be one of the sleeping quarterbacks of the year. Yeah, there's no other way to really look at it. It's just a matter of do they do they get another deep threat wide receiver to complete it? If they, if they do that, there's a real chance I might be considering Matthew Stafford my top 10 of quarterbacks. See, I don't even think they have to add that receiver necessarily. I think you got enough guys who can get open consistently and they can attack the middle of the field 10, 15, 20 yards down the field, I think he's going to thrive in that offense, even if they don't get that big threat. Now, if they get it, that's going to be even better. Well, th- that's that was more the point I was getting to. I, I don't think he needs it to be a in that top 12 area, but I do think that if he's in there, I'm going to consider him in my top 10 of rankings as a guy that I will say you have to draft. You have to get him that the value. Sort of like how I felt about Cam last year. Now, we'll talk about Cam in a little bit. I do want to get to the other half of this trade, of course, with Jared Goff. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, whether you're looking at it from Dynasty, whether you're looking at it from Redraft 2021, I don't know what, if any, value he has. First of all, we don't even know who he's going to be throwing the ball to. 
Because Kenny Galladay is definitely gone. Marvin Jones signs with the Jaguars. You've got TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, and they just recently signed Jamal Williams. Are those all going to be your main pass catchers? Is Jared Goff even going to be a starter past this season? I think that's a question in and of itself. They definitely didn't make this trade because they wanted Jared Goff. They wanted to go younger. That's not what this trade was about. It was about giving Matthew Stafford a home and trying to do right by him. It wasn't about trying to bring in a younger quarterback in a team that is going to be rebuilding. So all of a sudden, Jared Goff, is he worth anything? I mean, I think maybe a streamer at some point this season, but I, until you see what they do moving forward, you can't pick up Jared Goff right now. Um, as he talked about, no weapons really. Terrell Williams basically off the scrap heap they signed. Um, maybe they draft somebody with that pick, but if they do pick a quarterback early, to your point, I don't think that they're going to have a, a whole season with Jared Goff under center. So I would not waste a draft pick on Jared Goff. It might be somebody to keep on your radar just for you know moving forward. Detroit's probably going to get blown out a lot of games, so you might have some games where he has some garbage yards for you or gets you some garbage points. So I, I think at best, Jared Goff's a streamer this year. At, at, at best? At, at best? And I think, I think the only way you're even looking at Jared Goff at all is if you are thinking about this from a dynasty perspective. And even then, when you look at that, it's not going to be until he leaves Detroit, which could be within next year or two, frankly. It's not going to be until he leaves Detroit that he may resurface as a guy that you're even talking about in fantasy football circles anymore. So let's move in to... We'll talk about Carson Wentz, the other big quarterback trade. A lot of people are saying, you know, a lot of there's a lot of haters out there on Carson Wentz. No, I'm not one. I am not one. This is not a bad quarterback to... Not completely quote Dan Orlowski, but this is a good player who had a bad year. And there's a lot of reasons for that bad year. First of all, you put the entire offense on his shoulders. The guy was trying to press. He was trying to win games on every single throw that he put out there. And when you do that, you're going to be in situations that lead to a lot of turnovers. Not to mention, can we all agree now that Doug Peterson's a moron? That Doug Peterson's not the play caller. It was not his doing. It was Frank Reich why they won the Super Bowl. It was Frank Reich why that offense had any continuity, had any creativity to it whatsoever. And he goes back to Frank Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts. What are your thoughts on Carson Wentz? And I'll go into more after you. First of all, I have to understand the Carson Wentz hate. Even now, I'm listening to ESPN this morning, and all I heard all morning long is this Mr. Trash and Carson Wentz from his press conference. How soft he is. Is he a leader? Is he too sensitive? I heard a lot of things about Kevin Durant being sensitive. You can ball or you can't ball. That's kind of how it boils down to in my book. Carson Wentz carried that team two years ago to the playoffs with Boston Scott. Boston Scott, people. And last year, you threw out. You drafted Jalen Rieger, who was basically a bust and was banged up at the beginning of the season. They had no Sean Jeffrey. They brought Deshaun Jackson, who what gets you two games this season. And then you threw it all on Carson Wentz. who looked like he was falling off a cliff. Exactly. And then you have Carson Wentz, who's behind an offensive line that basically was in shambles. And then to top it off, as you pointed out, the play calling was atrocious. The guy can move. He's a big dude. But they never called any running plays for him. And then suddenly, when Jalen Hurts took over... Here comes read options. Here comes running plays. Here comes all the different things you were expecting before. So I think Carson Wentz has got a chip on his shoulder. I think he's got something to prove. And being from the Philadelphia area and growing up, 
You hear a lot of haters from Philadelphia on certain players. Quite often when they get out of this market, they wind up realizing what they missed out on. Yeah, we, we live around the Philadelphia area, and we are not Philadelphia fans in any any sport whatsoever. And it's or because of fans. it's because of the fans that we are not a fan of any of the Philadelphia sports. Because I'm sorry, Philly fans, but you're nuts. You're crazy. And look, you have a lot of passion. I'll give you that. You have a yeah. lot of passion, but you misplace the energy so much. You put you actually physically put pressure on these players. To your point. A lot of them succeed after they leave. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. He goes back to Frank Reich where he was going to be an MVP. He's going to an offense that's set up very similar to how that offense was in 2017. Very good offensive line. Going to have a very good running game. Now, Jonathan Taylor will be another discussion that we'll have to get into at a a later date. He'll have a good passing game. Even if they don't bring back T.Y. Hilton, I like Michael Pittman as an up-and-coming guy. They're going to, no matter what, they're going to have a serviceable tight end. We'll see who winds up being, if it's Mo Ali Cox or whoever. They're going to utilize the tight end position. They'll find a way. I liked, even though it was a very, very small sample size, I liked what I saw out of Paris Campbell as the slot receiver within the confines of that offense. We'll see if they're able to keep T.Y. Hilton or add somebody else, but you know that they will do that. Right now, if you're looking at a dynasty, and you can buy buy low on Carson Wentz because you had this industry craze of that he's a bum, he's a bust, that he's done, that he's toast. Buy him now. Buy him now. We're going to talk about quarterbacks that you're not going to have to draft for 2021 in a redraft, but are going to be valuable for you guys, or are going to be sleepers for you guys, or are going to be, at the very least, consistent streaming options for you guys. It's going to be Carson Wentz. His ceiling in this offense, with Frank Wright coming back to the Colts, is a QB6 or higher. That is his ceiling in this situation. And if you're hating on him just to hate on him, you're not paying attention to football. You're not paying attention to the talent that is Carson Wentz now that he's back in the confines of the offense of where he needs to be. This was the perfect fit. Had he gone anywhere else, I may be singing a different tune. I don't know. But because it goes back to Frank Reich with the Colts, that is where I am all aboard this trade. Chris, tell me what your thoughts are on the re-signing of Cam Newton. I think that you kind of see a team in New England is it was kind of frustrated by the offseason. They seem to have all kinds of feelers out for different quarterback situations and seem to settle on Cam. Um, I think what they're going to do is basically continue to look, but have somebody they can kind of bank on to at least play this year if they need to. Um, you're probably going to see a team get more and more physical. Um, they were they basically became almost a wishbone offense in some senses last year, where they were they were so uh, committed to the running game. I think you're going to see something even more like that this year. And I think that it doesn't mean that they won't draft somebody. It doesn't mean they still won't trade for somebody because they really didn't pay the man still. But it makes make sure that they have insurance versus some of the other teams that kind of stuck their heads out in the limb. Um, so I start their necks out in a limb and then kind of got them chopped off. Like I said, Washington, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Or Chicago Bears. The, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good move from an NFL standpoint. This made a lot of sense for the Patriots. It, it's a cheap contract. Like you said, it, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hinder the system in any capacity. Yeah. He was already there last year. You want to have grow, uh, and we'll talk about these signings too, kind of lump it in together because you can't really talk about Cam now without talking about the acquisitions of a Janu Smith, without talking about the acquisition of Hunter Henry. And it's clear that they're building this offense 
around Cam Newton. Now, I know I've been giving a lot of love to the quarterbacks besides Jared Goff that we've talked about so far. Cam's not somebody who I'm going to want to draft, but he's going to get put in a category close to Carson Wentz in the sense of he's guys that you, you might not have to draft them, or if you do, it's not going to be the 16th round. But again, a top-end streaming option if you're talking about 2021 redraft because of the way they built this team around him. I mean, the guy finished last year, which was, I mean, it looked like Cam couldn't even throw the ball last year, but even though he couldn't throw the ball, he still finished as QB 16. He missed a bunch of games. He ran for 10, touch, uh, I'm sorry, 12 touchdowns. That's not going to go away. You think the goal line offense of Cam is disappearing, especially now they have two tight... No. If anything, it'll help them get more proficient also being able to throw the ball, but they are going to play bully ball. This confirms they're looking at playing bully ball. They trade for Trent Brown. They're bolstering the offensive line. They're going to want to blow people off the ball. That's the idea. That's the design. There's going to be a lot of things to like about Cam Newton. The one thing I will say that I've gotten around the industry talking to different people is that they keep wanting to defend Cam as far as his performance throwing the football. And what they keep bringing up is like, well, you can't judge him based off of one offseason. I'm sorry. Listen, my issue with Cam as the quarterback from last year was not what he knew or didn't know about the offense. His arm's done. And it's more than just this year. His arm's been done for a couple of seasons. It's a noodle. It's, you, you, he's, hope, he's hoping the ball gets there to where he wants to go at this point. Now, that's not what we're going to like him for fantasy. We're going to like him for his running purposes. But, Chris, back me up on this whole we can't judge that Cam as a quarterback is is borderline toast. I mean, I will give the man he had no weapons last year. Having said that, to your point, the seven-yard pass seemed like it was hurting his arm. A nine-yard pass was most impossible. I mean, that's why the, all the slot receivers were being featured the way they were last year. He has no ability to push the ball down the field. Um, and if he's moving around when he used to have that flick he could do when he's outside the pocket, that's not there anymore. To your point, that's why you're probably going to see even more and more rushing moving forward with Cam. Um, and the tight end thing will help him because now he can throw inside uh, and kind of feature between the hashes. I, I don't really know how much longer he has. And I do think one of the things you might see this year, I was talking about drafting a quarterback, as we're kind of talking, I kind of think this ensures New England's looking at Trey Lance or somebody along those lines, um, where they're going to be looking at a mobile quarterback, probably two, maybe groom behind Cam, and that would make a lot more sense of what they're kind of doing versus Cam's your starter, and we're, you know we're going to build a whole team around him. We're um, going to win a Super Bowl with Cam Newton at the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Position. I think it's kind of I think there's kind of a, a dual plan in the, in place. Like we can be competitive with Cam in the meantime, but to your point, build a personnel that kind of supports that kind of player, and then have a young guy who can kind of convert into it, whether it's a Trey Lance or maybe a Justin Fields. You know, I'm going to bring, I don't know why I think about this earlier, but I'm going to bring Ben in here real quick because he does go to UMass. So I'm sure he has an opinion when it comes to the Patriots and when it comes to Cam Newton. Go ahead, Ben. We'll, we'll give you some floor space. Tell us what you think about the whole Patriot dealings and signings. You can even talk about Janu Smith and Hunter Henry and give your two cents. So, I mean, obviously being a Patriots fan going from, Tom Brady being winning a Super Bowl the year I was born to seeing them have a losing season for the first time in my lifetime. Um, I don't like Cam Newton. He's not, I don't want him to be the quarterback of the team next year. Watching him play last year, besides like the first five games of the seasons hurt. Um, right. When you heard Matt Stafford was available, you're like, okay, Patriots go get Matt Stafford gone. Carson Wentz, take a flyer on Carson Wentz gone. 
So um, I kind of think the Patriots just missed out on every opportunity. I don't think they were interested in any op- other opportunities, but um, we need to get a guy in the draft. Who I want Mac Jones or Trey Lance, um, you know, take a shot at Deshaun Watson. Um, we spent a ton of money on the offense, which is great. We got Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith going to be like, I think people are thinking Gronk and Aaron Hernandez type of thing, but like we have Cam Newton throwing the ball to them. So that's my take on it. I'm not a Cam Newton fan. I don't think it matters who you sign because he's not going to be able to get the ball to them. So Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Ben, there's a reason I like Ben as my intern. He's a smart kid. He's a smart guy. All right, Ben, go back to doing whatever you do behind the scenes. I will say one thing for Cam. Alex Smith couldn't throw the ball anymore either. And if you can throw a four-yard pass, maybe you can still win in today's league. Well, here's my thing with that, though. Even Cam isn't as accurate as Alex Smith throwing the four-yard pass. So that's where that (laughs) all goes out the window as well. Let's move in. Finally, we'll get away from the quarterbacks because that's how much quarterback news we had before free agency even hits. Let's talk about Aaron Jones. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers giving him a four-year, $48 million contract, giving him $12 million a year, pretty much the first two years are guaranteed, essentially how that contract breaks down. Now, look, bringing back Aaron Jones in and of itself in a bubble is not a bad thing. This is a superstar, run, in my estimation, this is a superstar running back and really could be even more if they actually use him more. But what was the point of drafting A.J. Dillon in the second round if your idea was to actually give a high-paying contract, especially this year with the salary cap being in shambles, especially this year or any year now in the modern NFL where we don't value running backs anymore, everyone's still looking their wounds and looking at the Todd Gurley fiasco and even Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I don't think they regret giving Christian McCaffrey that contract, but the year he signs the contract, he does go down to injury, and they're looking at those things, and I don't think anybody wants to pay superstar running backs anymore, so you pay him $12 million a year when you took a running back in the second round last year. Now, I know this isn't necessarily a, a fantasy perspective take. We'll get to the fantasy aspect of it in a second, but I was just flabbergasted as to the line of thinking. You 
We already all bashed you last year for not taking a wide receiver to pair up with Devontae Adams for Aaron Rodgers, your Hall of Fame quarterback. Not only did you take his replacement in the first round, but he came back and took a running back, something you had already a plethora of. And if your plan was to try to re-sign Aaron Jones this entire time, it just throws last year's draft into even more question. It makes no sense. Am I right? I mean, absolutely. I can't understand what Green Bay is trying to do with Aaron Rodgers right now. If you're going to have A.J. Dillon and, and draft him in the second round, he has to be at least your key first and second down player. Um, he cannot just be a kind of a rotational back. And between the money they spent on Aaron Jones and the draft capital they spent on um, A.J. Dillon and, George, and Love, I think right now Green Bay is really going to find out that they, they missed the ball. The big one for me, seeing contracts kind of throw, shelled out right now, especially for receivers kind of having a depressed market, um, I think Aaron Jones pretty much takes you out of like a Kenny Galladay signing. Imagine, imagine Kenny Galladay and Adams. Now that would be fear in any defense, and that would have been something tangible if you would have stretched your money a couple little, couple million here or there versus paying a running back who's still going to probably want to split and carries with another running back for no reason. Well, let's, it, basically. Right. Let's harp on that point real quick because now we can get into the fantasy aspect of it from this standpoint. What is the split going to be? You paid Aaron Jones too much money to take him out on red zone situations. You got rid of Jamal. You did let Jamal Williams walk, at least. A.J. Dillon doesn't catch the ball. So is Aaron Jones now your bell cow, and you have a backup as a second rounder in A.J. Dillon? Hard for me to believe. Is it going to be a 65-35 split when it comes to carries? But then again, goes back to why did you pay Aaron Jones? It just doesn't make sense from a lot of different angles. Now, what we actually think is going to happen from a fantasy standpoint, I'm looking at a 65-35 split when it comes to the carries. Here's where it might get interesting for Aaron Jones, where this in a weird way, because Jamal Williams is gone, he might have even more fantasy value in 2021 or at least the next two years too if you're looking at it from a dynasty standpoint because now Williams is gone and you know A.J. Dillon doesn't catch the ball. I say it's safe to say Aaron Jones might be getting 80 to 90% of the target share for the running backs. Well, I think the key thing for Aaron Jones seems to be can he pass protect? That seems to be why he kind of falls out of favor. But AJ Dillon can't down. either, so it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's more his forte is pass protection. Now, catching the ball, I don't disagree. He can't catch the ball. It's not his, he's not going to be doing that and heavily involved in that kind of aspect. I think you're going to see probably a 60 40 split. I think you're going to see kind of maybe like, Two series for Aaron Jones, per ser- one one series for A.J. Dillon, and they kind of rotate that way. I don't really think you're going to have a defined role, per se. Um, maybe if as the season progresses, if it gets colder, maybe you see A.J. become more that red, that red zone usage or inside the five, inside the 10-yard lines, short down situations. But I think initially you're probably going to see about a 60-40 split. I do think you're right. You're going to see Aaron Jones get more targets. I just don't necessarily think it's going to quite too much more production because I don't think – He's going to be, he might be targeted in a different way um, where he might be more involved in third downs, but I don't think you, maybe he's not throwing the ball or on, on the field as much. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with him not being on the field as much uh, because when you look at it, not just third downs, but two minute drills, when they go no huddle offense, I would expect Aaron Jones to be on the field for all those things. And I would still expect him 
to finish the season with a lot more carries than A.J. Dillon. So I don't know if I agree with him not being on the field as much. I do agree with the idea that while he might be getting 80 to 90% of the targets, he might be targeted in a different way than what he has been to this point. I agree with that idea. But again, volume is king. And especially we're talking about one of the, one of the big things about Aaron Jones over the years is his consistency of being an RB1. He's usually pretty consistent getting in the top 36. We talked about this on the Bill at Fantasy Live football show this past Tuesday. He All of his games, he finished within the top 36 last season. But as, when you draft him, you're drafting him to be an RB1. There is some fluctuation from week to week as far as where that goes. The extra target share might put him in a position where he consistently will finish in the top 12. I mean, like I said, I don't think it really changes his production. What I do think it might change a little bit is his playing time just because Jamal Williams is basically used more as a um, primarily just on third downs. He really wasn't splitting series. I do think you're going to see AJ Dillon have to be more involved in just kind of splitting being sprinkled in here or there kind of Jamal Williams was. And to your point, you're not going to see a clear role for that other player. So they're going to have to kind of figure it out. Uh, Indianapolis is kind of an example. I look at where you see a team that had a lot of different running backs, particularly Marlon Mack was healthy and how they kind of use Taylor and Mack. I wouldn't be surprised if you see something similar um, involving Green Bay. I wouldn't necessarily guarantee that Aaron Jones is going to be the third down back. Um, They really were higher on Tyler Irvin last year, and they seem to look for some different guys to kind of rotate in there and use them third downs. Here's what I'll, here's what I will lose my mind if they go ahead and start bringing in Tyler Irvin on third downs and just add more ridiculous stupidness to the entire contract situation of paying Aaron Jones that much money to again to again not quite unleash him which has been the problem I've had with the Green Bay whether it's been Mike McCarthy or Matt LaFleur the un the not unleashing of Aaron Jones has driven me nuts you see what talent he has when they limit him and they have limited him I know people are like well he's finishing he's finishing top 12 six Barbies and stuff like that's him still not being unleashed so they go ahead and bring in Tyler Irvin on top of it I'm going to lose my mind there's another there's another aspect here that I'm going to lose my mind on. And I thought about this a lot last night. And we got to talk about what is going on with the Raiders. They trade away Trent Brown. They trade away Rodney Hudson. They cut Richie Incognito. They traded Gabe Jackson yesterday to Seattle. And then, just when you thought they couldn't have anything left as far as their offensive line goes, as far as what's going to be in front of Josh Jacobs for him to run through. He only had 3.9 yards per carry last year, and that was because the offensive line was banged up. Now I'm like, what, is, is he going to be able to hit that number? You go and you bring in Kenyon Drake I to a decent contract, by the way. Is, is a decent con- Meaning you plan on really utilizing Kenyon Drake when you pay him that kind of money. This ain't Jalen Richard coming in. This ain't a specialty back coming in. This is a guy who's coming in to split carries with a running back that you already, for um, some unfathomable reason, will not throw the ball to to begin with. I love, Josh, I love Josh Jacobs, but I don't know if I can even touch him with a 10-foot pole when it comes to fantasy anymore. Go ahead. I was going to say, then add a cherry on top with Theo Riddick assigning. Yeah, well, that, I mean, hopefully that's one of those moves that the guy winds up getting cut when they actually get to training camp. But no, yeah, I, sure, we could throw I, that I, in. I, I say that because we saw with Jalen Rashard. We see with those kind of third down backs when it comes to Gruden. We saw with Booker a little bit last year. Gruden likes to try to rotate different guys. That's why Jacobs never gets featured the way he needs to. 
We talked about Jones and we talked about Jacobs, two of the guys who I think have been on the cusp or have been considered RB1s in a lot of senses, but their consistency is lacking because their coaches refuse to use them properly. And part of that seems to be these coaches have a, an affinity for guys who they have to have a pigeonhole for certain roles. Jacob seems to be their smash, down, uh, smash back, even though he has speed, which is Drake's forte, even though he can catch the ball, which is theoretic and Jill Richard's forte, but they just refuse to seem to want to use them. And then to add to your point, they bring in what for the offensive line to do. That team looks like it's in total shambles. You have Derek Carr, who's scared to throw the ball down more than five yards down the field. I don't know how bad the Raiders are going to be next year. I mean, I think that John Gruden's basically just ended his career in a sense. I think this is the year that we see bye-bye John Gruden. This was the team. This is a team that was on the cusp of being a playoff team. This isn't some rebuild. Pro- this is a team that was on the cusp of actually making a playoff push last year and just need a few more pieces and instead a, have completely rewritten the script. This is a team that was trying to shop, shop Marcus Mariota in the beginning of the season, trying to upgrade and, and get more cast space that way. And just decide instead of doing that and get rid of your backup quarterback, you're just going to destroy your offensive line. And get rid of every player you possibly have that can do anything on that line. Get destroyed. By the way, Colton Miller sucks. This, yeah. What you got. No, one thousand percent. And he's the only one left now, and he sucks. Exactly. It's yep. it's yeah. And you take away now, you pretty much have now handcuffed the best aspect of your offense, which was Josh Jacobs. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, sixty uh, forty at best in favor of Jacobs now with Drake, and he's definitely not going to get more than forty five targets. For the season, there's no way because Drake's going to be involved. He's Richard. Richard's not going anywhere for at least one more year. He's going to be involved in some capacity. It's not like they threw the ball at him all that much to, to begin with. And this and is not going to be. This is not going to be an offense that's going to be in his position to score a ton. You saw this last year with Lynn Bodden signing a draft pick, and they took him in the third round. They're even looking for gadget players to try to rotate in there to get running players out of. And they, he was a complete bust for them because they couldn't figure out how to use him. But I wouldn't be shocked again if they try to do that again in this draft. Chucky is out in full force, and it's driving me nuts. And Vegas, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if they get rid of him next year because the, whatever the contract situation that he has or the love that he seems to have with Davis now, but something's going to have to be done. And if you continue down this trek, you're going to be right there with the Detroit Lions and the Cincinnati Bengals as the laughing stock of the league for years and years to come. I don't care that John Gruden has a... Super Bowl to his name. He had an all-time defense. He's an offensive mind. He won because he had an all-time defense. That Super Bowl doesn't belong to him. It belongs to Tony Dungy. It doesn't belong to him. So stop giving me that he has a Super Bowl on his resume to somehow give him credit, give him credence to what otherwise has been a largely unsuccessful head coaching career. It drives me nuts. like an idiot. Well, and my question is, how much is May? Is it Gruden or Mayock running the team? I don't I mean, know. I don't know either, but I do know that it basically ensures that he might not have a job much longer either, and he oh, probably never an opportunity again either because he's done nothing since he's taken over that team. Absolutely not. So the big thing is, Josh Jacobs is going to be a guy that ADP wise, you're probably still going to see him in the second and third round when it comes to redraft leagues. He's going to probably be every every year we do a you know a top five sleeper top you know top five overall and a bust five and he's probably going to be in my bust five because of where his ADP will most likely be given this situation is going to not be prudent for him at all to be able to succeed whatsoever it's absolutely mind-blowing 
Uh, we don't have to talk about it too much. Chris Godwin getting franchised. Not much really changes there. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, me, you know, I'll, Chris, I'll ask you this with him, with him, you know, having a full season and hopefully, hopefully staying healthy uh, enough. Cause that was really the big thing last year. We really didn't get to see it too much because he really didn't get to stay healthy long enough. But with Tom Brady in the confines of this offense, what does Chris Godwin, does he get back to being that low end wide receiver one in your eyes? I think a big key is going to be, do they resign Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown mm-hmm. led Tampa Bay in targets the last five weeks of the season. Yeah, not Mike Evans. Got, it was Antonio nope. Brown. Or Godwin or anybody else. It was, yes, it was Antonio Brown. And now, if that goes away, I think Godwin returns. I think that he's going to be, um, with Mike Evans healthy also, and the offense kind of finding where their, their mojo, so to speak, is, I do think you see a return to Godwin as lower A number one. Um, I was never as high on him as the people were the previous year. I kind of eat crow for that year, but I think we kind of saw a combination of the two years. Little probably what we're going to see. I'd say maybe like 12, 1300 yards, maybe eight, nine touchdowns. I wouldn't get too overly excited about him because as we see Tom Brady, will throw it to anybody, uh, Scotty Miller, uh, Watson, it doesn't matter who's out there. So I think that's one thing you have to kind of keep in mind. Brady's going to spread the ball around. If they do sign a pass, that's a, a pass catching back. I might say, you know, steal some targets but i think the big thing is chris godwin's explosive he's big he's strong he can he can score from anywhere on the field and i think there's no reason he can continue to be one of the top receivers this year yeah i tend to agree with that i think it is going to be dependent upon whether they re-sign antonio brown that is i mean right now they have they seem like they're in talk so that's a possibility they're going to be able to do so chris godwin's a tremendous talent and I, the one thing I will say about this offense, I don't know if we've seen the ceiling of it because last year with no offseason, we saw the ups and downs that they had throughout the year. They really got going towards the playoffs. If they start where they ended this season or even are more consistent than what we saw in the beginning of the year last year, there is a situation where everybody could eat. But could Chris Godwin go back to the wide receiver one spot? Again, I'm with you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on whether they bring back Antonio Brown. Will he still be a very valuable wide receiver too, regardless? Yeah, sure. Uh, we're, what we're going to do now, though, we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We're going to talk about free agents that have signed after the free agency period, I should say. Keep Stay tuned to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, or wherever else you're watching this show. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And everybody, welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. You are listening to us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. We can find us pretty much everywhere now. We're streaming live on Twitter, at BellyUpFantasy, at BellyUpMDFFShow, at WWSRN. We're on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, BellyUpFantasy, Belly, uh, MD's Fantasy Football Show, all there. We're on YouTube. Subscribe and download the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We are on Sportscaster. We are everywhere. Everywhere. That is one thing that I've worked hard for to get us to this point. We are absolutely everywhere. I'm joined here for the first time ever with Chris Dowhauer, who will hopefully be with us for some stretch of time, maybe more. Of course, we got Ben in the background there. He'll be doing little things. We'll bring him in later. We got a mailbag segment, of course, uh, for you guys, like we do every single show. And you can always comment during the show, wherever you're streaming, wherever you're watching this. And of course, afterwards, or later on, you'll be uh, we'll be available on every single pod app that's out there: iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you like to go. 
We've been talking about the fantasy impacts of the free agency offseason thus far. And I want to let you guys know we're going to get into the transactions that have happened since free agency has kicked off in this next segment, which is brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. And Monkey Knife Fight is a daily fantasy sports gaming website with a number of unique ways to win money on your favorite sports and players. It's a mix of daily fantasy and prop games. All you have to do is download the app or go to monkeyknifefight.com with the promo code BELLYUP for a dollar-to-dollar match on your deposit of up to $50. Plus, you'll get an additional $5 after that. That's potentially an instant $55 of free money for you to play with today by using the promo code BELLYUP when you sign up. And I highly suggest you go ahead and check it out because they have a lot of stuff going on for the March Madness Tournament, which is set to kick off, I think, believe, the first game kicking off uh, in the next few minutes. And we'll be watching that as soon as this show is certainly over. Chris, let's talk about, because we need to talk about Allen Robinson in the last segment, but the reason for that is we want to talk about Andy Dalton. And we'll talk about the two in the same. First, let's take it from the Andy Dalton perspective of this guy signs a a contract for one year, $10 million, a guy that the Bears could have had last year on a cheap contract, instead decided to pay Nick Foles more money and give up draft capital to get him. And now you're left with the guy that you should have went with in the first place in Andy Dalton. (laughs) What does he do for this team? And from a fantasy standpoint, you're not drafting any Dalton. So we're, we're not even going to take it from there. What does he do for Allen Robinson and David Montgomery? Is this Nick Foles type of offense? Or do we, or does he at least give him the fighting chance of what we saw later on with Mitchell Trubisky when the Bears offense at least looked more competent with Bill Lazor calling the plays? First of all, Ryan Pace, how does he have a job? Good question. I have- might have the worst eye for when it comes to quarterback ever. This is a guy who signed Mike Glennon, drafted Mitchell Trubisky, traded for Nick Foles, as he pointed out, and now signed Andy Dalton. Now, Andy Dalton, honestly, will be an upgrade because we talked about guys who can complete four-yard passes. Andy Dalton can complete a four-yard pass. We saw with Chase Daniel how much better Allen Robinson produced week to week. So... I will say it actually helps Allen Robinson considerably. As for the Bears team, it does nothing. But for Allen Robinson in particular and for David Montgomery, it gives you a fighting chance that maybe you can get some first downs. Maybe you can get in some red zone opportunities. And you will get targeted. Andy Dalton primarily does feed his number one receiver. And Andy Dalton loves to check the ball down. So you have two things working for those two players. The rest of the Bears offense, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good luck. The, the targets aren't going anywhere for Allen Robinson at the end of the day. So they, might, they might actually get there. They might actually, they might actually get there. I, yeah, Andy Dalton does present having a better arm than a Trubisky, than a Nick Foles, although last year looked like a catastrophe. But I don't think Andy Dalton's that bad what we saw last season in Dallas. That was just a, a weird a weird situation. I do think he at least, we've seen him in the past in Bill Lazor's offense. He can get the number one receiver the ball. A.J. Green had one of his best seasons that year. So I'm not worried about this when it comes to Allen Robinson. Am I frustrated for Allen Robinson? Because, 
you know, once again, I was hoping maybe this would be the year, but once again, this man still can't get an actual competent quarterback to throw him the football, to be a partner with, to go somewhere. And I wasn't sure if he was really going to sign his franchise tenor. I wasn't sure how long it was going to drag out. He does wind up signing it. So he is going to go back there, but go ahead. Let me ask you about a comp, Dan, that I was just thinking about. How much do you think Allen Robinson's a lot like DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, very as, similar. Uh, very very, as very what he had similar. to deal with, kind of what he's had to be frustrated with between the quarterback play has been atrocious. Um, and kind of yeah, still so at, least, at least Hopkins got Deshaun Watson at some point. Well, I think that's kind of why I pointed it out. I think that one thing out to me, I'm with you. I think Al Robinson's a superstar in the making. I think the only thing that holds him back from the rest of the, you know, the world seeing that is basically the quarterback play in Chicago. And I feel like DeAndre Hopkins had to kind of overcome something similar, particularly earlier in his career. And I wonder if Allen Robinson has a similar, uh, you know, trajectory. Yeah, but the pro- I mean, the question is going to be: Does he ever get a competent quarterback? And I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that now. I thought this would be the year, and now they're tendering him. The idea is that they're going to get a long-term deal done at some point, unless Allen Robinson just completely wants out, and maybe he does. But I don't. I don't even know if he gets what Hopkins got. I mean, Deshaun Watson, and now going to Kyler Murray. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. As much as I'm still not as big of a Kyler Murray fan as, as other people are, it's still better than any quarterback Hopkins had before and any quarterback Allen Robinson has had in his entire career. Uh, uh, recently, yes, for DeAndre, but DeAndre's a little older than he used to be. I look at most of what his, his eating days, per se, when he used to be one of the top receivers in fantasy. I still consider be, but he was usually top five. And you saw him have uh, your boy from Rutgers, uh, Tom Savage back there. We saw some Brad, Brandon Whedon. We saw the end of Matt Schaub. Uh, what other quarterbacks are they thrown out there in Houston? We saw Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, they had all kinds of different crap they throw it out for, for him. And DeAndre, week in, week out, would just show up, and he could produce. And he's one of those few guys that if you scheme properly for him, he can, he can dominate basically no matter what, who his quarterback is. And I look at Allen Robinson, and with basically the lack of weapons around Chicago and a Bill Lazor returning, I wonder if Allen Robinson has the opportunity actually to be a sleeper, despite not a big quarterback upgrade, but because it's a little bit of an upgrade and you see a guy who probably is going to be the key piece on their offense. If we don't see a little bit of a jump from him this year. Yeah, no, I agree. As far as fantasy goes, Robinson will still be safe. I think the other question we'll have is about David Montgomery, you know, but I don't think the, the signing of Andy Dalton doesn't affect him and what he's going to be able to do or not do in any capacity. So we'll talk about that at a later date.
Let's talk about what's something you mentioned earlier in the show. We'll talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, he came out and said that Washington made him no guarantees that he'll be the starter. I find it hard to believe that, especially with what they give have on the roster at the moment, that he would not be the starter. And we'll put aside, you know, the whole Washington sign Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and, and the hoopla that somehow that makes him a playoff team. We'll, we'll put that aside. We'll just keep, we'll just we'll just stay this with the fantasy perspective because that that would be just be a whole spiel of it in and of itself. Terry McLaurin, the one thing Ryan Patrick is good for is getting number one receivers the ball. Now we'll lump this into with the fact that they signed Curtis Samuel and and add this in and they just did that recently. That that doesn't bother me because Ryan Fitzpatrick he has the history of getting the ball to the number one wide receiver. So I don't know what Curtis Samuel is going to do. We'll we'll get to him in a second. But for Terry McLaurin, what does this do for him in your mind? I mean, I think it solidifies Terry McLaurin as one of the more solid players to play week in, week out. You had your consistency rankings we talked about in the other show a couple of days ago. And I think that if you think about Terry McLaurin's consistency moving for the Ryan Fitzpatrick, you have a guy who's probably going to lead his team week in, week out in targets, and a guy who's probably going to be in, heavily involved. Uh, Fitz looks for you in the red zone, looks for you down the field. And you're talking about Curtis Samuel and how it kind of affects him. I think it actually doesn't hurt him at all. You know, we saw Preston Williams have pretty good numbers. We saw different slot receivers have pretty good numbers. Fitz will let it fly. Now, what happens after he gets benched if he throws five interceptions in midseason? That'll be the interesting part. But in the meantime, I think it puts a hell of a jolt in the offense for the fantasy-wise for Washington. I mean, you were last year, you maybe have McLaurin, maybe you had Gibson week to week, but you really couldn't trust anybody in that offense. This year, as long as Fitzpatrick's back there, you're going to get numbers. We saw it in Tampa. We saw it in Miami. Um, I think you're not going to see anything different. And I think that all the people can eat. The only difference is going to be how many turnovers are in between. Yeah, 100%. Breaking news. Thanks to Ben here. He just informed me that the, not this is a fantasy news alert, but the Bengals have just released Geno Atkins. Uh, so that's a big name getting cut there. Something we kind of expected. We'll see where he winds up again. Not really fantasy relevant, but a big name, a guy who's been a big cog in that that defensive line for a long time to come. We'll see where he winds up and what kind of defense uh, impact he can make uh, out there on the free agent market. I agree with you completely when it comes to Terry McLaurin. He he's he's he has a chance now to really, I think he'll he'll fight for that low end wide receiver one spot. He'll still be a high end wide receiver too. Fitzpatrick does help in that sense. Curtis Samuel will, I, I mean, Curtis Samuel, I think will be what he was uh, in Carolina. He'll be, you know, a low end wide receiver two, maybe more of a high end wide receiver three. This is a team that you know the targets will have to will be split mostly between those two players, Logan Thomas, a little bit here and there. Uh, some some getting out to the backfield. Ryan Patrick does check the ball down a lot. So you know if this is if this is the year that they let Gibson actually be, and that'll that'll be completely dependent on his pass protection skills. If he's able to pass protect, then he'll be out there, I believe, over McKissick. Then you know what we had last year, which was for some unfathomable reason, McKissick was always the third down back, even though Gibson was the pass catching back coming out of college. You're supposed to be able to do it all. That was the big draw to Antonio Gibson, and yet you bring in Jaden McKissick to kind of take all those targets away. If his pass protection skills have gotten better, I believe he'll be out there probably more on the field. I think it had more to do with that than anything else. And Fitzpatrick will help with that too because he does, while he does get a lot of 50 50 balls down the field, he does check the ball down uh, quite a bit as well. The question is going to be what you pointed out, the interceptions. And how is that going to go? Because this team is built to be 
you know, defensive control and don't turn the ball over and do just enough to keep the game close throughout the end. I'm curious to see, does Ryan, this is a big reason why Ryan Fitzpatrick does not play 16 games in a season very often, or now what would be 17. So it will be curious to see in that sense. And if they go, I'm sorry, I, I don't care that Taylor Hanicki made one good play in the postseason. It doesn't make him a great quarterback. It doesn't make him he's somebody who's good in the playoff good. game. He's good in the playoff game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I don't. I do not care. All of the, he does not suddenly come in there and make these guys more valuable from a fantasy standpoint. Ryan Fitzpatrick makes them more valuable from a fantasy standpoint. So trust me when I say you don't want Taylor Hanicki. You don't, and I think we all can agree we don't want Kyle Allen out there either. Let's 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 move on. Uh, I'll just quickly mention Jacoby Brissett signs a backup deal to go with the Dolphins. Mitchell Trubisky signs a backup deal to go with the Buffalo Bills. Neither here nor there when it comes to fantasy, but just to keep you guys up to date in case you guys didn't know that already. We talked about Kenyon Drake earlier and the unfathomableness of that. Let's talk about Marlon Mack resigning with the Colts. Now, this has a lot of different variables to it, but this is where we can get into, let's say he is healthy. And he is going to have somewhat of a role. And Naeem Hines is going to have a role. All this hoopla over Jonathan Taylor. And by the way, I'm a huge Jonathan Taylor fan. I, I mean, I, I don't know who is at this point, but I, I love him. I, I love his talent. I love him that offensive line. I love him that offensive concept. But the problem is, Frank Reich never in his career has never not rotated backs. Never. Never. Naeem Hines doesn't go anywhere. He's still going to get a large amount of targets. And now they bring back Marlon Mack. The idea that Jonathan Taylor is going to be in a situation, if he's not going to get the receptions to at least get 20 carries a game, I think goes out the window. Technically speaking, they still have Jordan Wilkins on the roster. And I'm, uh, let's see, we might be getting some news in here. I don't think this is official. Breaking news. I don't think this is official. What I'm getting here is that the Bears have made an aggressive pitch to sign Kenny Galladay. The belief is it would be a one-year deal with 11 to $12 million. It doesn't sound like anything has actually been signed, but it does sound the Bears, this is the first we've gotten of a, an actual contract being offered to Kenny Galladay. So the Bears have offered a one-year $11, $12 million deal. Uh, as of right now, this has not been signed. So he's not actually in Chicago yet, but that is what's happening as we speak. We'll get back to what we were talking about here because nothing's actually happened there. So what's your feeling on Jonathan Taylor in that whole situation with Frank Wright? First, real quick on the Colts point, how does Jacoby Brissett not have an opportunity to start somewhere? All these other guys who got signed this year, that's just ridiculous. Now, moving on to the current Colts situation, especially in the backfield, I think Taylor, Jonathan Taylor was definitely trending up going into the season. But now you kind of look at the resigning the Marlon Mack. I don't really have a whole lot of excitement as much as I had moving forward. You have a guy who's going to get vultured in the passing game. We already saw that with Nathan Hines. You see a guy who's going to probably have to split series now with Marlon Mack on first, third, first or second downs. And you're not guaranteed he's going to get the red zone work either. So I think overall, Marlon Mack really, really puts a big hamper on whether or not you want to take Jonathan Taylor as an RB1 or not. I think is he's still a solid RB2. Is he still somebody you want to have on your team? Sure, he's going to be productive. He can still do, um, you know, get 15 touches and still be a, a serviceable player for in your roster. I just think what it definitely does is it ends the, any kind of talk of him being a top RB1 moving forward. 
we had a little debate whether who's moving forward, him or uh, I think it was Alvin Kamara or no, Joe Mixon. Um, I think there's no contest now who's going to be the, the best player move this season. Yeah, the only thing you can say to that is that Joe Mixon has to stay healthy. Uh, but yeah, I, it, because what this does is Jonathan Taylor is a better running back when you're giving him 20 carries in a game. When he's able to get in rhythm, when he's able to wear down defenses, especially going into the fourth quarter, that's when he's best. But when you're playing with Frank Reich and you're playing with a crowded backfield, you don't get to that number. So now it's more about you have to be as efficient as possible in a situation where you're probably your average is going to be 16 to 18 carries, maybe two to three receptions because you have to deal with Naeem Hines now. So that's, that's, that's a, where... Go ahead. I'm going to say two other things. You got to also watch out for the fumbles. We saw that kind of happen with the Colts backfield last year. Whoever fumbled kind of got uh, in, put in the doghouse for a couple games or a game or two. Taylor was one of those guys early in the season. That's why he wasn't getting the run people really were hoping for. On the flip side, I will say if Marlon Mack's not 100% healthy, none of this matters, this discussion. Um, so it's still interesting to see if Marlon Mack's going to be healthy or not before we actually debate how good Jonathan Taylor can truly be because we don't know that yet. No, we, we, we don't. But, the, but here's my thing. If, if he's not healthy... I think they keep Jordan Wilkins. So I think you're stuck in this situation one way or another. And, and that that's more my problem. It, it's We're trying to push you guys. Use your common sense when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. Because everybody out there, at least narrative out there right now for most of the industry, and you'll, you'll find that this show is usually in the minority on what the industry is telling you. And for a reason. Use your brain. Do the math. It's, it, and it's simple math, too. I'm not talking about doing our algorithms and how we come up with projections. It's simple equation. It's simple one plus one equals two. If Jonathan Taylor cannot get more than 50% of the targets because he's dealing with Naeem Hines, if Jonathan Taylor is not going to get 20 carries because whether it's Jordan Wilkins or Marlon Mack, they're getting six to eight. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well, guess what? It adds up to Taylor going back to what he was last year, which is he has to be highly efficient, highly productive off of an average of 16 touches to 18 touches. And that means, to your point, he's more of a high-end RB2. If he pops a few ones, he can have some low-end RB1 weeks, but he'll finish as more of a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 than this guy who's going to be taken, most likely, whether it's redraft or dynasty, in the top five. It's just simple math. Don't overpay for the player. Think about the situation when it comes to Frank Reich. We could talk a little bit about Jamal Williams signing with the Lions. Wow. I was very I was very excited about DeAndre Swift. Uh, not that I didn't think they were going to bring somebody in. And I do think the the we'll, we'll talk about you know some of the narrative that I've heard, I've been dealing with in the industry and now it's kind of swung a little too far the other way uh, based on this signing. But I want to go to Chris here first. What is your feeling? What does this do for DeAndre Swift? And what do you think about the Jamal Williams signing in general? I think the Jamal Williams signing was pointless. I think we saw this in the Rams last year when they signed Malcolm Brown. For what? To do what? To get people's way? I think Jamal Williams basically hinders DeAndre Swift. And 
makes it more interesting to see who plays in those third down situations. And then it's not a clear cut that Swift would be that role. Carry on Johnson isn't chopped liver. Now he hasn't been healthy, but talent wise, he's considerably more talented than Jamal Williams ever will be. I'm not a Jamal Williams fan. Jamal Williams can do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm a little older. We talked about being from Philly. Reminds me of Deuce Daly, guy who can get you four yards, whether it's catching the ball for four yards or running the ball for four yards. It's about all he's going to do. I'm not a big Jamal Williams fan. All I think he can actually do is actually hinder some of the production from the rest of the Detroit players, particularly in that backfield, and your boy, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, it, it's annoying because it, it does take away some targets. It takes away, like you said, he does a little bit of everything. It takes away a little bit of everything as a result of that. But we saw Anthony Lynn get a little too cute sometimes when he has multiple backs to use. We have. We 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 did. We saw that with the Chargers. We even saw that with the Bills. If you want to go back to LaShawn McCoy and his usage of Mike Tolbert, uh, you know Anthony Dixon. Anthony Dixon. Yeah, it was like, you know, McCoy was allowed to handle anything between the twenties, but for some reason, you know, Mike Tolbert was actually like the pass catching down back. It wasn't even LaShawn McCoy. Then you'd have Anthony Dixon coming at the goal line situations. Uh, we have seen him get too cute. I don't think they add a third back that is going to have to be involved. So that's why I'm not too concerned about it. At the end of the day, look, DeAndre Swift's still going to get the bulk of the carries. He's still going to get the bulk of the targets when it comes to the two. Is it a 60-40 split across the board? Probably. Probably. Especially since this entire offense is going to have to be centered around the running back position. It's probably going to be a 60-40 split across the board. Was I hoping that DeAndre Swift was looking at a 70-80% to 80% workload across the board? Yeah, I was. That was, what's going to get, that was what was going to give him potentially a ceiling that maybe he busts into the RB1 category uh, in, in year two. That's not going to happen now. And you're already dealing with an offense that we talked about this. It's not going to be in a situation and put up a lot of points, which is usually a big hindrance for running backs being especially consistent, but good overall when it comes to fantasy football. But I'm still not going the other way where all of a sudden DeAndre Swift became an RB3 because of the Jamal Williams sign. That's oh, not, no, not at all. No, no, I don't think that at all. I mean, I think I said it, it kind of tarnishes to shine a little bit, makes you a little more concerned to how involved will be from week to week. The thing that makes us for me personally is I just think that it clogs the backfield that didn't need to be clogged. Carry on Johnson and, and Swift complement each other perfectly. I don't understand why you'd add a third cog into that situation, particularly when you're Detroit, when you have a lot of other players in the positions you need to upgrade at. Um, it just, to me, was a pointless signing. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if they keep carry on or not, but if they do, I think he's somebody who's just going to be a bench filler and just be a bench warmer. At this point, I don't think he's going to actually have uh, any other role. Breaking news. I'm going to bring Ben here in on this one because he's the one who got me the alert here. Justin Sims expected to be the top paid safety in football. Ben, uh, who's, who is he expected to, uh, to do? And unmute your mic there. Yeah, so he is, um, I just saw a shot to his tweet. He is expected to be the highest paid safety ever in the first safety to um, surpass $15 million per year on his contract. Um, obviously, he's a BC guy, so I've known about Justin Simmons for a while. But um, I don't know. I still, when you think about the best safeties in football, he's not the guy that comes into my mind right away. So it's interesting to see that he got uh, the largest contract ever. Yeah, uh, definitely. He's a good safety. He's not a great safety. It doesn't, I don't think he really changes the complex of a defense. I will say there's not too many safeties out there this free agency, so that partly 
comes into play, and he won't be the highest paid safety for 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 long. Thank you, Ben, for the update. We're going to bring you in a few minutes pretty soon, actually, because we're getting closer to the mailbag segment. Go back to doing your intern things, your behind-the-scenes things. Uh, not that that's a fantasy-relevant thing, but I, it does kind of lead me to the idea that we'll, we'll just talk about this for a little bit. The NFL got their new contracts. I, I don't, you know, Chris, I'm sure you saw this. ESPN gets writes the Sunday ticket. Amazon is going to be able to do Thursday night football and all the TV contracts combined wind up being $10 billion a year for the next 11 years. So yes, you're going to have to deal with the salary cap this year coming off the 2020 COVID season, but the NFL is about to have more money than it's ever had. And that salary cap will boost next year from I've heard as far as 250 million is actually in a discussion, which would be an insane Insane increase. Do you have any comments on that? I mean, I think that it could be kind of what we saw in NBA a couple of years ago, where you see a lot of teams maybe not be cautious and throw around foolish contracts going into next year. But oh, it yeah, should be exciting. Um, it should be exciting, though, because I do think I'm a big believer in paying the players. And they're the ones that earn the money. So I think as long as they get their big cut, they should get a bigger cut of it. No, I, I absolutely agree. It's going to be really interesting. You're going to see a lot of outlandish contracts, like you said, that you're not used to seeing for, uh, frankly, average to above average players. You're going to see them start getting superstar money uh, in a lot of situations. We saw that in the NBA when they had a dramatic increase in the salary and, cap, like you said. And real quick, fans, just remember, the money is not going to go into your pocket if they don't pay the players. It's just going to go into the owner's pocket. So let it go into somebody who's actually producing on the field and stop being so bitter when guys who are getting paid. <laughs> just, just saying, just saying. We we could have an entire philosophical episode, sociology episode when it comes <laughs> to fans and contracts and NFL and players and owner. I mean, we we really could. You could make a whole episode off of that. Uh, I mean, it, I just, just want to throw that out there because to your point, though, you're going to hear a lot of rhetoric next year when start got, we start seeing get, players get contracts that have, we haven't seen. And you're going to hear a lot of people saying, how does this guy get $20 million? How does this player get $15 million? And I think that's why I'm just preparing for the backlash we're going to hear as we talk about these numbers. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, 100%. You're, you're, you're going to see it. But I will say this from back to you know, the football player standpoint, uh, Justin Simmons is getting a big contract. But for most of these guys... I'm looking at this as a year that, you know what, if I want to take a bet on myself, I want to sign a one-year deal. We talked about earlier in the show, the breaking news, that Kenny Galladay was at least offered a one-year contract to go to Chicago to pair up with Allen Robinson. Will Fuller yeah. took a one-year deal. Right, or, or Will Fuller took a one-year deal, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Yeah, the, these guys taking a one-year deal now makes a lot of sense because that money is going to be there next next season. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of t- a ton of multi-year deals uh, coming out of the rest of this free agency. You really haven't seen a lot of big contracts uh, thus far either, I would say. I mean, the biggest one was 49ers resigning Trent Williams. But even that, you know, that's kind of neither here nor there because when it comes to the wide receivers, that's, that's really where uh, our focus would be as far as guys who need to take one-year contracts. Let's talk about, let's start getting to some of the wide receivers. Let's talk about uh, Corey Davis going to the Jets. He got a, he actually got a nice contract. I believe it was three years, $37.5 million, And I think that's $27 million of a guaranteed. I think that's a little too much for a guy who his best season was last year. And in his best season, he was wide receiver 31. 
He had 984 yards and five touchdowns. And that was by far his best season. Now, I've never been a Corey Davis fan. When they took him five overall, I told everybody in the sun, that's a bus pick. He had no business being in the top five picks overall as a wide receiver. There was not a transcendent talent, which is what you need to be as a wide receiver to go that high. The Jets paid up a lot of money for him. Pair him next to Denzel Mims. Word is they may not be done. They may be in on the Juju Smith-Schuster sweepstakes, but we'll focus in on Corey Davis. Now, we're not sure exactly who the quarterback is going to be, but from a fantasy standpoint, I think he gets a lot of hype because now all of a sudden, like, well, he's going to be the wide receiver one in a Shanahan-styled offense. It's still not Shanahan calling a play, so it's not going to be exactly the same, but a Shanahan-styled offense. I think Corey Davis is somebody that a lot of people are going to be like, hey, let's draft him as a low-end wide receiver, too. Personally, I think, especially on the Jets, especially if Sam Darnold's still the quarterback, I think he's a wide receiver four. I'm not going to touch Corey Davis next year. I'm in the same boat. I mean, Corey Davis... Maybe receiver four, maybe a flex play. Um, we saw with that Jets, it's a change in coaching staff, but you've seen over the last few years of the Jets offense, there's not a lot of production that comes out either consistently. Sam Darnold hasn't really impressed me either. I think he's a bum personally. Um, but regardless, I do think that it's not a bad signing. He fits decently on their team, but I don't really see the financing production that he's going to look for. You don't really have a guy who, to your point, has had a breakout year. A guy, what he had, 900 yards, five touchdowns last year. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I see similar numbers. Maybe it's touchdowns up a little bit more because he's utilized a little more in the red zone or becomes that number one quote unquote receiver. But even that, I think you have Crowder, as long as he's on the team, he's still going to be one of the prime target receiver. Um, I'm guys who's targeted. And I think Mims is way more talented. So I think that you're going to see those two guys actually become more featured. Corey Davis will kind of be a nice complimentary piece, but fantasy-wise, no, I'm not really sniffing him other than maybe if he's a receiver four or a flex play. I mean, look, just because Adam Gase is no longer the guy there doesn't mean the Jets suddenly become a top-10 offense, which is what they would need to be for Corey Davis to actually have the value. Let's move into Will Fuller. You mentioned him a little bit. He signs a one-year contract with the Dolphins. I like, from an NFL standpoint, I love the move. On both ends, I think it's a good fit for Will Fuller. I think it's a great fit for the Dolphins. And from a fantasy perspective, I like it quite a bit, too, because now let's say you have a situation where you actually have Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Will Fuller healthy all at the same time and on the field. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, does that mean targets are going to be getting divvied out? Yes, but they all have different roles. 
And if the Dolphins, if Tua takes the next step up, which I expect him to, I am a Tua believer. I don't, I don't know why one season in where he had no off season, where he's coming off a hip surgery, why how how suddenly Tua Tagovailoa, who before the Joe Burrow experience was looked at as the number one quarterback coming in, is suddenly a bust after eight games. I don't know. I don't know how that happens that quickly, but I do think he takes the next step up. The targets will they'll they'll be able to complement each other perfectly because Will Fuller will be able to go down the field. Devontae Parker, I still think, would ultimately be the number one targeted wide receiver. And Preston Williams is actually as a big guy, very good in the slot. Now you also add in the fact that, well, Preston Williams has yet to prove that he can actually stay healthy, and Will Fuller too. But there's a good chance that whoever's on the other side of Devontae Parker may be the only other guy who's on the other side of Devontae Parker. So they should have some targets in there too. Will Fuller to me in this situation, it's going to he's going to be a guy that is I think he's still going to be... He doesn't have the ceiling that he had going into last year, right? Because you knew there was a vacated amount of targets because DeAndre Hopkins was gone. They replaced it with Brandon Cooks. You knew he wasn't going to get the same demand that Hopkins got. So I don't think he has the ceiling of what we saw last season, but the idea that he is a wide receiver three who can still win you the week and make those big plays, yeah, that's still very much in the cards with this move. Absolutely. I love the Will Fuller signing from Miami. One, you only signed him one year, so there's nothing to lose. Two, it puts less pressure to take a receiver to pick three, which I think Miami should trade down in. And we'll talk about more on our, our draft shows coming up. Um, but I think finally what it does for Miami is it finally gives Tua all the weapons he needs. Each guy now kind of fits their role. Gasecki has more opportunity to be more in the middle of the field. Preston, um, not Preston. Uh, Preston had a chance to play a bit more, but I also think Parker's the big one that they can't double him. Um, he's able to kind of do his thing. And then you have Will Fuller, who as long as he's healthy, he's one of the more explosive players. Tua throws a good deep ball. People seem to forget that Tua's, they think he's, you know, got the Cam Newton arm right now. He doesn't, people. Get it, don't get it twisted. Give him some weapons. And Will Fuller's healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if Will Fuller sniffs on a wide receiver two at the end, towards the end of this year. Um, I definitely think he's a strong wide receiver three. And I think he has got opportunity and potential to do even more. I think that offense is going to be um, almost custom built for what he's what he brings to the table. I think he's going to be the deep threat, but I also think he's not just going to be a deep threat. You're going to have a lot of crossing patterns. Two hits guys in stride and gives you a chance to kind of make plays. I think Wolf Four is going to be a pleasant surprise for a lot of people next year. And we also need to talk about from the Tua standpoint. We both are fans of Tua. You add all these weapons in again if they're they're healthy on the field. Uh, Tua is somebody who I think you're not going to draft Tua. I'm not going to draft Tua in a redraft league. But if you had him in Dynasty, I'm very high on what I'm going to get out of him moving forward now, especially if you're in a super flex lead and, and you're looking at redraft coming up in 2021, he's going to be a guy who's definitely going to be on the streaming radar as a guy you can look to. But again, there's so many quarterbacks on the streaming radar. It's really insane. And so again, again, I'm preaching to the preaching, preaching, preaching to MD, MD nation. This is the year to wait on the quarterback. Don't do, don't just don't do it. If, if Lamar Jackson taught you anything last year was that it's not worth taking that quarterback in the second round. It's just not period. Uh, moving in here, I want to talk a little bit about AJ Green. N- not that this is going to be a huge thing, but I I like what it does for Hopkins, for AJ Green coming in here. I kind of like what it does for Kyler Murray and his red zone issues. Because here's what's going to happen. AJ Green's going to come in and he's going to play that Larry Fitzgerald role. He's going to play the big slot man role, which I think he's fit to do. And I think he has enough left in the tank or at least more than Fitzgerald does anyway, to make that more of an actual legitimate threat within the offense. Uh, and I don't. And it doesn't take away 
I, some people will say, well, does this take away targets from DeAndre? No, it doesn't take away. He's still going to look at 150 plus targets. It doesn't take away the potential for that to for that to go. AJ Green in and of himself, I actually think there might be some low end sleeper value. I think he could be a guy that you can plug in the flex, could be a bye week fill in, because I think he is going to be at the very least very much utilized in the red zone. Where, where do you see this move and how it affects all parties involved? I think that's. I think that's a pretty good call. I think AJ, as long as he's healthy, because that seems to be the key with, with him right now, as long right. as he doesn't have any soft tissue issues. But if he's out there, I do see him probably pretty much filling that Fitz, Fitzgerald role. Uh, hopefully better than Fitzgerald last year, because he did nothing for you. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking more of Fitzgerald maybe two or three years ago. You're looking maybe like 7,800 yards, maybe six or seven touchdowns, a couple of weeks here or there where he might you know, have a big game, quote-unquote, and get you 20 or 30 points. Um, but I think that the days of AJ... To my to my chagrin, seemed to be limited. I don't think he's going to be the quite the fantasy player that we ever kind of hoped he would be again. And I do wonder if how consistent or how much you even kind of look for him. Is he not this guy you kind of have like a couple of Corey Davis, um, maybe somebody to stream or maybe receiver four at best. Maybe somebody that you have maybe drafting the last round just because if you're desperate or you played in the league that has three or four starts for three or four receivers. Um, I'm just not a huge AJ fan right now. I'm not a Kyler Murray fan, so that's probably part of it. <laughs> we're, we're getting up against the clock, but we're, we would do this show a disservice if we didn't readdress this. We talked about it a little bit when we talked about Cam, but we didn't actually talk about their value within this. The tight ends, Janu Smith, Hunter Henry. Where do you see their roles? Are these both going to be top 10 tight ends? Is this going to be the remaking of Gronk and Aaron Hernandez? Does that really have a chance to happen with Cam Newton and what this offense will most likely be in its style next season? I don't think we're going to see quite the Gronk, Aaron Hernandez. We forgot that was Tom Brady playing quarterback, not Cam Newton. Um, so that's pretty pretty big to me. Um, I do think Hunter Henry is probably going to be the more productive player week in, week out, simply because I think he's going to have more playing time. He's a blocker. Uh, no one likes to play the guys who can block. And I think Janu might be a little rough to kind of guess when he's going to have his big games. Um, I don't think he'll be consistent as Aaron Hernandez because, like I said, I don't think he have a different quarterback, different scheme. You're going to have Hunter Henry probably, in my book, be the prime target. Um, we kind of saw that with Tampa Bay last year with like Cameron Brake kind of fading off. Uh, O.J. Howard and Gronk were playing more because they're more of the blocking guys. I do wonder if it, they basically cannibal each other in some senses, but I would definitely pick Hunter Henry over Janu Smith, which might go against a lot of people's perspectives. It goes against my perspective uh, because you, the money they paid Janu Smith there's no way he's not going to be in the game plan as the number one targeted pass catcher, period, on this team. There's no chance. No chance. I'll now, I, 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 get, I get what you're saying here. I get what you're saying here. All right, yeah, you know what? How about, how about this? All right, Ben. All right, Ben. Unmute yourself, Ben. All right, Ben. We got a debate here, Ben. And I'm a Patriot fan. So here's, yeah, and a Patriot fan. That's why, that's why it's perfect. There's no way we'll, we'll both make our cases and then you can chime in. There's no way that Janu Smith is not going to be the number one targeted guy based just based on the contract that they gave him based on that. He's more athletic based that I believe Hunter Henry is the better blocker period. I think he's going to be utilized more in that role. Go ahead, Chris. You can, you can make your, your, your debate. And Ben, it's simple. Your coach is Bill Belichick. He doesn't play people and just utilize people just because where he drafts them or how much he pays them. He has guys out that he's going to have, he's going to use that are blue collar, and will play week to week. Aaron Hernandez was good; he was nearly as not nearly as good as Gronk. Aaron Hernandez produced, 
didn't play as much or produce as much as Gronk. So, like I said, I stick to Hunter Henry will be on the field and he will outproduce John Janu Smith. Ben, before you make your decision, just keep in mind I can make your life a living hell. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna side on the fact that I think Hunter Henry is gonna be more productive on every down plays. I think he'll evidently catch more passes, but I do think that Johnny Smith is gonna be the guy in the red zone. I think John Smith's gonna be the guy you want on your fantasy team because he's gonna be the guy that's scoring the touchdowns. However, if I had to pick, I think by the end of the season, Hunter Henry will have more receptions. Right, but the touchdowns is the name of the game. That's a very political answer there, by the way, because he kind of went down the middle on both of us. It's Touchdowns are the name of the game. Just look at last season. Hunter Henry had more catches. Hunter Henry had more yards. Hunter Henry had more targets. Two different teams, yes. But Janu Smith had double the amount of touchdowns. Janu Smith finished in the top 10. Hunter Henry finishes tight end 13. Now, they're going to be on the same team, but again, Janu Smith is the red zone guy, and Bill Belichick has made it clear for years what he thinks of Janu Smith. We'll see. We'll come up with a bet system somehow down the line and come up with something, but I think there's no contest. It's Janu Smith. Now, I do think both of these guys have an opportunity to finish in a top 10 of tight ends, so it could be a moot point in the sense of, yes, both these guys could be valuable. Both these guys could be starting for you. I do think that's a possibility just on the based on the fact that you, your other signing was Nelson Aguilar. I don't think Julian Edelman can play more than four games. The one thing Cam might be able to do is throw the ball five yards. You're going to hit nothing but the tight ends coming or, or the running backs coming out of the backfield, uh, and you're, they're going to be the number one red zone targets, both of them. So, Especially when you look at Go ahead. I was going to say, I do say that fantasy fans in general went out because of the slim pickings that usually are at tight end. So it's nice to actually have some options maybe on the same team um, to actually pick from. That was that was the next point I was going to make. When you look at the tight end landscape from last season, if you just got somebody with a pulse, you were okay with it. So from that standpoint, we could both be right, but Janu Smith's going to be better than Hunter Henry. Okay, guys, it's time. It's time. The mail's here. All right, Ben, read us, the, read us some of the questions that we got in from the week. And remember, guys, if you want to get in on the mailbag segment or if you have a question anytime, any day, we'll always be there to help you guys out. All you have to do is go to at Show on Twitter or the MD's Face Football Show on Facebook. Post it. Leave a comment for me. We'll answer it, and we may even bring you on to the mailbag segment. All right, go ahead, Ben. All right, our first question is from Shelby. She's, she said... Should I trade Chris Godwin for DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton in a dynasty league? Yes. I, that, that would be my answer. Yeah, 100%. If you can flip Chris Godwin for DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton, and I love this question because Cortland Sutton is a guy who's getting forgotten about because he got hurt so earlier on uh, in the season last year. Cortland Sutton's a, a up-and-coming stud. And he is the number one receiver of that Denver Broncos team. Now, I don't love the quarterback situation that that comes with, but he is the number one receiver there. And now that Carolina has gotten rid of Curtis Samuel, that's going to open up more targets for DJ Moore. If you can flip Chris Godwin for both DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton, it's a no-brainer in my mind. 100% agree. (laughs) That's it. I got another money. What do you think, Ben? I'm on the same page as you. I mean, obviously, you said the limitation with Cortland Sutton is is how good of a quarterback is Drew Locke, and the answer is he's not good. But um, he's still going to catch passes, and DJ Moore, like you're right, his target share will go up. And Godwin, yes, he's a great fantasy receiver. Obviously, you want him on your team, but he's limited by the amount of receivers that they have in Tampa Bay, especially if they bring back Antonio Brown. 
Yeah, you're spot on, Ben. What were you going to finish up with, Chris? I was just going to say, and Tom Brady isn't, you know, no string chicken. So if you're doing dynasty leagues, you're not looking for a guy who may only have a quarterback for one more year or two more years. Yeah, 100% agree. What's our next question there, uh, Ben? Next question is from Dustin, and it is Clyde Edwards Hilaire or DeAndre Swift? Even with the signing of Jamal Williams, I'm going with DeAndre Swift because, again, the offense is going to be built around the running backs with Dan Campbell, with Anthony Lynn. That's how this offense is even going to be able to remotely function at the moment. With Clyde Edwards-Lair, you're still, while you have a much better offense and he's going to be in more opportunities to score, we kind of saw what some of the issues are last year, right, With which is... He doesn't necessarily get to take advantage of the fact that he's a very good pass catcher because Patrick Holmes doesn't check the ball down very often. He's not a guy who's going to be able to get it done in the goal line situation at all because we, we saw that he was given multiple opportunities. He doesn't, he doesn't move an inch. He can't move anything an inch. So unless that hole is open up wide open, he's not going to be the goal line back. And I don't think he's going to even have that role anymore. I think Darren Williams is going to get that role. Uh, so you're in his, and you have the guy in Andy Reid because of that offense, the way it's set up, who will routinely forget to run the football. With DeAndre Swift, it's going to be, even though with Jamal Williams comes in and takes away some touches, it's still going to be about that backfield. For, so for me, it's DeAndre Swift, whether it's Dynasty, whether it's Redraft, and I don't think it's particularly all that close. Now, let's just put some things out there. Number one, you're Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hater. So let's put that That's out there a little bit for everybody. And he loves, he I'm loves, 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 loves Swift. I having do love said Swift. That, having said that, um, I can't disagree with, totally with your argument. The one thing I will say that I, I'm i a big believer in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I think if you looked at what the Chiefs are kind of doing, they're refocusing on the interior of their offensive line this year, and I think that's something that Andy Reid has done historically when he realizes he needs to run the ball a bit more than he has been. Um, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has, the year, has a great year next year, and I think a lot of people are going to be soured by how he produced this year. But when he started and he became the main guy, um, unlike some people who thought Le'Veon Bell would be, um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire became a bell cow back in the backfield. And I think that you're going to see nothing different. They drafted him to be that. And I think he's going to get his 15 to 20 touches per game. Settle this, Ben. I'm sorry with Dan on this one. Um, I hate Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I was <laughs> the guy that was really high on him going into the season. He got I took him like ninth overall and he killed and me. There it is. And I... Yeah, I think a big thing that people aren't considering is that Damian Williams uh, opted out last year, and he was the bell cow that year before when they won the Super Bowl. He was great in that Super Bowl game, and he is supposed to be in for 2021. He got cut. Which I think only hurts. Oh, he got cut. Okay. Even, all right. Still going with DeAndre Swift. I do not think Jared Goff is a um, good enough quarterback. I think that only helps him get carries in that offense, as well as catching passes. Yeah, Jared Goff also checks the ball down. Patrick Mahomes does not. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. What's our next question, Ben? All right. Our next question is from Skip, and it says, Irv Smith Smith Jr. or John Smith in PPR? This is interesting because Kyle Rudolph is gone. Now, here's here's what I'll say. What's, what's been a little bit weird about the Minnesota offense with Kubiak in my eyes that even in general, even if you combine Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph's numbers together, they actually don't utilize the tight end very often, which is weird for that system because it's designed to be able to utilize the tight end pretty well. So the question is going to be, with Rudolph gone and Irv Smith being the full-time guy, are you going to utilize him as the weapon that he should be in this offense that should be built well for a tight end to succeed? 
Or are you going to continue to ignore the position? I, I think it comes down to that because if they actually feature Irv Smith, I think when you, because this question is centered around PPR, and we talked about there might be some debate how many targets, how many receptions Janu Smith's really going to get. I think there's a chance here Irv Smith will, can compete with Janu Smith, if not more so. I will still give the edge to Janu Smith because I know the offense is going to be focused around tight end and there in New England one way or another. I'm, I'm pretty confident on betting that Janu Smith's going to get more touchdowns. So I'm going to probably go with Janu Smith on this one. But it is an interesting thing with no Rudolph there, what Minnesota decides they want to do on offense. I go clearly with Janu Smith. Um, I think to your point of Janu Smith being utilized, I do think you're going to see me line up a lot of time in slot and receiver as well. While Irv Smith, I think, is primarily what we've seen. Um, the big difference in the offense to me is Clint Kubiak. He's not his dad. He seems more reliant on their using the receivers. We see Thielen used a lot more. We see Jefferson used a lot more. Um, traditionally, that offense didn't usually use that back receiver as much. And that's kind of why the Titans were more involved. But because their offense is built around their two receivers, I do agree. I don't know if Irv Smith's actually going to get to step up. I love his talent. I just don't know if he's going to have the ability to be utilized. They run the ball away a lot. And you have Dalvin Cook, who's going to also be utilized in the passing game. What do you think, Ben? I'm on the same page as both of you. I'm going to go with Jonu Smith. Um, like you guys said, I think it's just going to be too hard for Irv Smith Jr. to get consistent targets with uh, Adam Thielen on one side and Justin Jefferson, Jefferson on the other. And just with how much they utilize Dalvin Cook, I think the Patriots and Cam Newton especially loves his tight end. And I think that even though Jonu Smith's going to be mainly a touchdown guy, I, think, I still think he'll probably get three to four catches a game and a touchdown. So I think he's just going to have more overall fantasy value. I mean, we can see what happens with Eric Smith Jr., but I don't know. I'm leaning Johnny right now. All right, give us our last question before we run out of time. All right, our last question is from Gunther, and it is Josh Jacobs or Cam Akers for 2021? I think with the way that we harped on this early on in the show, it's safe to say that I'm on the Cam Akers boat in this scenario. Uh, if nothing else, just just to not have to deal with the – lunacy that is John Gruden and the Raiders right now. Uh, but also, Cam Akers is in a prime position. Malcolm Brown's out the window, so it's just going to be him and Dan Henderson. And he looked like the real deal down the stretch. When he was finally given the featured role, he looks like he could be the next Todd Gurley in that offense. So I love, 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 especially now they added Matthew Stafford, and that offense is going to be able to score a lot of points. Love the potential that is facing Cam Akers, especially if he starts to get involved in the passing attack. I 100% agree. I think you have a, a clear edge in utilization and coaching. I think that uh, we saw Akers become the feature back as we move forward. And even if you see Henderson sprinkled in there, you know Akers is still going to be the man. And the, the offense is pretty much going to be built around him in a lot of senses. It's going to be Matthew Stafford as a quarterback, but you're seeing a lot of play action off of that. I think you're going to see the Rams kind of convert their style a little bit. We kind of saw that as the season progressed. They're going to be more physical. And I think Cam Akers is that guy for them. Um, I think that it's clearly stick with Cam Akers. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I'm a Patriots fan, obviously, so I saw Cam Akers destroy the Patriots um, last year. That was really his first big breakout game. But um, also the Raiders, for some reason, brought in Kenyon Drake. I don't know what they're trying to do with that. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the whole organization is up to these days, but um, that definitely hurts Josh Jacobs' values a little bit. Josh Jacobs was terrible. His yards per carry, I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was 9. not good. And yeah, 3.9. He was he kind of had a down year. They bring in another guy who is a, supposed to be a pretty good running back. He also struggled last year, but it's definitely going to hurt uh, Jacobs' carry share for sure. 
And let's also remember the Raiders had a good offensive line last year. While the Rams did not, and for Akers, Florida State didn't have a good offensive line. He's already shown he can run behind a crappy offensive line. Right now, Jacobs behind a good offensive line wasn't as productive as we'd like him to be. So imagine this year what it's going to look like. Absolutely. Guys, it's been a great first show. It's been a great season premiere of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're going to be back every Friday, 11 to 12.30 for you guys right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN. Make sure you download the app with all the great sports content coming out there. And you can always watch us live pretty much anywhere on Twitter, at BellyUpFantasy, at BellyUpMDFFShow, at WWSRN on Facebook also, BellyUpFantasy Sports page, the MD's Fantasy Football Show Sports page, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network Sports page, and of course on YouTube. You're going to be able to catch this show after in a couple of hours on your favorite pod streaming app, whether it be iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you like to go, we will be widely available to you. We'll be back next week with more fantasy football analysis for you guys. You can always find me at BellyUpMDFFShow show you can can find chris here at the same thing if you want to get in contact with him and we'll be hearing more from ben also he'll be sticking around with us in the next few shows too so lots to look forward to this year great to be back we'll see you guys all real real soon tune back in next week at 11 a.m see you then cmd nation Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.